here we are, and welcome to a galactic episode of the Friday Night Movie Podcast. That's because Becky and I are sitting here in Tucson, Arizona, overlooking the Fox Theater, which has nothing to do with this podcast other than we went to Tucson for I Dream in Widescreen with the University of Arizona. Oh my God, you got it right. Yeah, I said the name of the university. Fine. It's the program that I always mess up. No, but you the also School of have Theater, been... Film, and Television. And what do we do on our Friday night in Tucson? We went to a Friday night movie. Obviously. And we went to see Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which I would say, regardless of any review, is a prototypical Friday night movie at the highest level. Absolutely. Because it's fun, action, memorable. Mom would have been laughing. Mm-hmm. We were definitely laughing the loudest in the theater, I think. But yeah, but that's like a signature trait of mine. Yeah. You could always hear a Becky cackle. Uh, also, though, we were in one of the DX or XD um, theaters. It was like, I think it was called like Extreme something. Extreme, I don't know. It was extreme like sound. <laughs> it, had a, it had a screen that was felt like it was bigger than an IMAX. Yeah. And there were 150 speakers on the side of the wall. But it wasn't too loud. It was actually, I would say, perfectly calibrated sound where it wasn't like rock concert blowing your ears off which is what I was worried it would be it was actually just that sweet spot where you could hear every single thing it was it was pretty awesome in general I think just big picture how did you think just the making of the movie let's just talk technically visually audio right I mean it was it was exciting to watch every moment in that sense that the production design is super cool and the way that there's some really fun sequences the way that it's shot we can get into that and because we were seeing it in a nice proper theater it actually sounded good and and that can really ruin an experience you know when you go to the movies and you're really excited to see something but it has that like crummy sound and then it just you know, dampens the whole experience. But in this case, it really heightened it. And it the movie it, was it, even more uh, James, James Gunn really is one of the, like there are certain Marvel movies that are fine. They fit the formula. Then there are some that are like really fun because they're out of the ordinary. And then there are the ones I would put the Taika Waititi ones, the mm-hmm. Russo brothers ones and the James Gunn ones. There's probably some other ones in there, but like, those in particular stand out as like, oh, a really amazing director who loves this mm-hmm. and like knows what to do with it mm-hmm. and push the edge of the, I mean, the colors, just all the different colors and the crazy suits and rules of physics, like all the, it was just The so rules neat. of space, I guess like, you know what? I'm happy there's a bunch of stuff they just didn't explain. Yeah. Well, like. Like, I guess these invisible force fields every time a side of a ship gets blown out. So I feel like that's been around space. more or less yeah. in the MCU. Yeah. That, that, but that makes sense. Yeah. That they have that in Star Trek, too, by the way. Right. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I think that's just the assumption is if you're traveling in space at that level, you get a hole in your ship. Yeah. yeah. A little force yeah. field's going to pop yeah. up. All right. Let's go through. Let's go through. Just in general, uh, what what happened in this? Let's, we're not going to talk about spoilers. Okay. So we do a deep dive into Rocket's past and origin story. That's the heart of the which, film, which was very Holocausty. Oof, it was very, it was very, very like Nazi experiment. And I thought it was super compelling. Right? Yeah, I don't mean that in a bad yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, in I a mean, great way. and and also. Holocausty Nazi experiment, but I think also really speaking to the idea of animal testing mm-hmm. and and what you know these 
small creatures that can't speak up for themselves or express their pain are put through for, you know, presumably our benefit, you know, whether that's cosmetics or pharma. And and that's like, I'm not wading into the bait of the right and wrong. I'm just saying that it speaks to that very clearly to me as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think in general, what made that really compelling and scary was the villain, the high evolutionary, which is, I don't know if it's a deep cut, but definitely if, if you had Marvel cards, like the collector cards when I was little, you knew who he was. I think that's a deep cut. Right. That's a deep cut. <laughs> um, and there were different, there were different series and things that involved him, but definitely for someone like you and that he was played by Chukudwi Iwuji. I, I hope I pronounced the name right. I thought he was amazing in it. He was so good as the villain. And I thought he was a much... This was an interesting villain. This is this is another time where I think they really delivered a compelling villain who was very clear what his mad motivation was. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't trying to destroy the universe, which I enjoyed. This was not For a once. universe extinction event. Mm-hmm. This was really his bizarre drive to create something like a God complex. Yeah. God this idea complex. of like perfection and a God complex, the, the perfect species. Yeah. I mean, again, very Nazi, very Holocausty. Yeah. And the way they did his makeup and character design, I thought was amazing with his face mm-hmm. stretched over his face. Yeah. It was very cool. Again, not a character I knew a ton about, but if you were going to have an on-screen version of it, it mm-hmm. looked amazing. He yeah. acted amazing. And so we go into this deep dive of Rocket's origin story, which is really emotional. It gets really dark. It's very, there are certain points where I, I mean, I wasn't crying, but because it was more like I refused to cry during this movie because I'm like, that's not what I came here for. But I would say be prepared that there are some very intense... Intense graphic stuff. This is not one I'm rushing to show my little kids. Yeah. There was like a little kid sitting in front of us and I kept going, ooh, he's going to have nightmares. My my kids, I don't think would enjoy the amount of animal Animal torture. Animal torture that is in this movie. Um... And I think that the, the, it almost felt like that part of the movie was like the opening of a Pixar movie or like a Pixar oh, short I know, it's where it was like animals like being really cute, cute and, and horrible things happening, happening to them. But um, <laughs> what was cool about it is that, you know, I appreciate Rocket as this funny, creative, smart character, but because you you go and you get his origin story and you understand how he was built and what makes him so unique. You have this really deep appreciation and love for him, which I'm not going to spoil the ending, but by the time you get to the ending, I feel like it hits, it hits even harder. The ending, like it, 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 it feels so earned by the time you get to that ending because of the work that they put in showing you, what he's bringing to the table and who he really is. And they, and they pay off multiple movies of his character's gruff exterior yes, and refusing to be called a raccoon mm-hmm. and, uh, he, you, you know, being very touchy about what was done to him and you mm-hmm. don't really know. And so that, that was, that was really great. Is so that the, in the comic or, or I don't it? know because rocket raccoon, I'm first of all, I don't, I don't know anyone who read the Guardians of the Galaxy because <laughs> the Guardians of the Galaxy, when I was a kid, I, I think 
Yondu is the only one who was in it when I was a kid. And so this later iteration, I really don't know anything about. And so I really only know James Gunn versions of the movie. Mm. I, 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 I do believe something must be somewhat true about Rocket. There must be some sort of connection to his character in the comic. But in a lot of ways, I think James Gunn created these like the MCU version of the Guardians of the Galaxy is, is the defining version of the Guardians right. of the Galaxy. Whereas Spider-Man, you're always going to be tied to the comic books, right? That's right. Spider-Man. There's so much Spider-Man and lore that's locked in. This, he really gave us these characters for the first time. So uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not super interested to read a lot of Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy comics. Um, the other big thing you had was more fallout and I think rounding out of the character of Star-Lord since the death of Gamora. He, he's still suffering and taking responsibility and somewhat explaining a lot more the dumb decision that he made in the Avengers movie. What did he do again? So the, a bunch of them get together and make this in Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who's in that scene, although Mantis is one of the characters because mm-hmm. she's like squeezing Thanos' head. And they're about to beat Thanos. Like they've come up with this plan that will pull the, that they'll all use all their powers at the same time and pull the gauntlet off his hand. And they're about to pull it off his hand. And Thanos, I think is taunting star Lord about having killed Gamora because he trades Gamora for the soul stone. And star Lord gets so upset either she's dead or he's taking her hostage or whatever it is. He gets so upset that he derails the entire plan by going for his own revenge. And then like that destroys half the universe. Like that's right. the moment. And a lot of people are really upset because it, it did it. It kind of did star Lord dirty. Mm-hmm. It made this character who had been learning a lot about self-sacrifice, like lose the big picture entirely. But I think this and the other places he's popped up in the MCU, but this especially really showed you just how incredibly sad he was and how much Mm -hmm. he loved her and how he lost, like it's believable that he lost his way in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but it also corrects it because he, he grows, I think a lot Mm -hmm. in this. Oh yeah, definitely. He grows a lot and he's dealing with new Gamora, which was pretty hilarious in general. Him and Zoe Saldana are pretty hilarious Mm -hmm. together. And then, we see a lot of, I mean, there's so much good character stuff. All I want to talk about so is much character stuff. I mean, like the, the, um, Drax, he has such great, him and Mantis, their friendship, their, like the way that they love each other, the, their the, special friendship is so beautifully, um, I don't know, teased out throughout the film. And the triangle with Nebula, who is really become, Karen Gillan as Nebula has really become, that's my MVP. Oh, you talk about movie. the way that she has evolved from the first one to now as a character and her her evolution and how funny she is, her straight man too. Yeah. And to- it, yeah, she sure she's she is this great straight man to the group. She's also her competence, right? Like she cares a lot of they, they yeah. talk about this in the movie. Her competence is so great. She really knows what she's doing right. more than some of the other they they rely on her. In some ways she is this like den mother to the She guardians. they they really do need her. And what I what I it's really sweet the relationship between her and Drax. It had this bit of a Pixar inside out thing where they you know, she needs to learn to appreciate what he brings <laughs> to the table, even though it's not what she <laughs> thinks is the most valuable. Yeah. yeah. And so, so that character connection was great. And then Groot, who, again, the patience, the patience of the storytelling that 
Groot, who is you know the MVP probably of the first movie, and then they mm. melt him down to nothing. Oh, I know. And now, Groot. Oh, but then oh, you get Baby Groot. <laughs> I know, but over a decade or yeah. so, or so, maybe a little bit less than a decade, they've been literally growing him, him back. back. Yeah, the patient. He's so cool in this. He's so massive and powerful and cool, and has so many great tricks. And and his um, the like the unspoken language between him and the other characters in terms of in those fight scenes oh, yeah. is so is so awesome. It, it makes it so much fun. It feels really earned. It feels like 10 years of them working as a team. So here we are. We're talking about like these deep character moments. All of this is done at such an amazing pace with the most amazing action sequences. They're so beautifully done. You can see yeah. everything. I want to highlight one action. There's this one action sequence where all of the Guardians are have to face off with, you know, this massive group of crazy alien bad guy creatures down a giant tunnel, essentially. Like the big, like a big hallway of a ship. It's a hallway fight. It's a hallway fight. Funny, it's a hallway but fight. <laughs> but it's done as if it's in one take. I mean, there's lots of invisible cuts, but it's done as if it's in one take. And throughout this very long sequence, the perspective is changing to every single character. And it is so cool. I thought that was really, really fun. And what I think was... That was my favorite. That What I was think. amazing about that moment was there's this inherent tension in the movie of who's going to die. And so you're watching this exciting, triumphant fight scene, but as it bounces from character to character, I was also so nervous because I'm like, who's going to die? Okay, so die? one of the reasons you feel that in that sequence in particular is because when you have a long take, it actually builds tension. And one of the mistakes that I think a lot of these movies make is too much cutting. Because every time you cut, you're actually kind of breaking that tension a little bit. So to do that sequence where we keep thinking, you know, we're wondering who's going yeah. to die, who's going to get hurt, who's going to get fatally it's like injured. like holding a note in music? It's exactly like that. And so you're, and, and it's, yeah. So it, I think it actually adds to the, to the tension of that scene. Wow. That's great. It's a, little, I, it's a little film school for you. Yeah. I mean, the movie, I think this one really does stand as one of the best movies, like pure Marvel movies. Yeah. It was, I agree. It, it wasn't. It, and I wouldn't, I didn't actually want to see it because I thought the previews seemed too dramatic and there's <laughs> lots of like shots of people crying and screaming. I'm like, I don't want to see that, but it was great. It, it, it delivered and it, it did a beautiful job with like closing the James Gunn story. It's almost like the way I describe it is there's sometimes when a writer goes on a comic book for like a year and they write a story from beginning to end and then they move off. The comic continues, but the author has finished right. their thing. And this is what it felt like. He finished his thing. He's going to go off and do the DCEU. This is, and also what I think is great is this is sort of like a great farewell. This is like, yeah. you know, he's going out on top. Yeah. What a, what a great commercial for that guy taking over the DCU. Right. I mean, this would, I mean, I guess DCU can be salvaged, but I, and this would make me think it can be, but good luck with that. You know, what he does though, that I think people have to get ready for is that his stuff is dark, but bright at the same time. Yeah. There's it, an extremely dark sense of humor in his stuff, but it's not grim the no, way yeah. all the DC stuff has been. Right. There is that lightness that balances it out and the timing. I mean, you talk about being such a, being so high level, the timing of the jokes. Oh, yeah. The, the you know, the performance of them, all of it. It really, it threads that 
very expertly, you know, threads the comedy in with the with this heavier story yeah. really, really it's a well. Heavy story. But it's very well balanced. I mean, you're laughing throughout and it's exciting throughout. Oh, what I what I also want to say about the ending that I liked while it wraps it up, and it's like you what you were saying, at the same time I do feel like it leaves just enough threads that you could see little bits of story coming back in, in some other Marvel movies, right? right? Like you could see there's, there's space to still weave in, you know, some, some, yeah. some of the characters and their next adventures. Yeah. You can totally see them dropping mm-hmm. in at any time. The, you know, the, 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 the thing, I mean, I don't want to ruin anything just yet. Maybe we'll ruin a little bit in a little bit, but I, I, I think that they, delivered the so this is a relationship between the trailer this is what I want to talk about the trailer really sets you up this is a time where some trailers like I don't want to see them because I don't want to know anything right in this one the trailer was a total setup for the movie in the best way possible because it really did not give much of anything away other than it has to do with Rocket Mm -hmm. and then the rest of it was like, I wouldn't say misdirection, but it was just like a, what's going to happen right. as opposed to sometimes the movies just write everything out for you. Yes, exactly. Uh, the, um, what, so for you, who is your MVP? My MVP is rocket. Oh yeah. 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 My MVP is rocket for sure. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah. I, I feel like he's a character I always thought was funny and I was curious about, um, and, and I, like I said, I the, feels, it felt really earned for me the yeah. whole way through. They paid off stuff from all yeah. of the movies. Mm-hmm. And, and it was also because the second one is a weirder movie that I think a lot of people don't like. This one is, is so great that it makes the second one mm-hmm. better in a way. Not, not because it, it doesn't retcon anything, but it, it, it because it, because of the way it all comes together, you don't feel like the second mm-hmm. one was a waste. And I, on that note, I would say my honorable mention MVP, um, or maybe even my, not most improved, because she's always great, but my honorable mention MVP is going to be Mantis, because... Oh, yeah, she was she's really so great at good. She just feels so... You really understand her role in The Guardians, in this one what you know the emotional what, like, what she, telepath what she brings to the table and why it's it's not just to like oh and then there's like an emotional telepath character because emotions are important but like what she's really doing to help them achieve you know all the like yeah the goals and like everything they need to everything they come up against you know how anyway I, she you you see what she I don't know. I think so your, wonderful. And, and back to your point. So my MVP, the one I liked the most was Nebula, but I think the actual like most like the, the person this the person, the character, this whole thing turns on is Rocket. And 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 you're invested because you just care about Rocket. Yeah. Like I have never wanted a character not to die more Ooh. than this character in this. And movie. I gotta <laughs> tell you, like I don't like raccoons as animals. They are Evil, sneaky little animals. <laughs> they are, but this movie makes a case for how adorable, you know? And that's that's hard work. All right, Becky, there were some nonsensical moments 
or not, I wouldn't say nonsensical moments. There were things where you definitely had to ask me a lot of questions. Yeah. So I want to just go through the three, like three of the, like the weirder things with you. I want to, I want to buy rent meh, not just your reaction, but the explanation. Like once, once I explained it, did okay. it make sense to you? Okay. So number one, I'm going to list for you is Adam Warlock. Okay. Okay. Number two, I'm going to list to you the Cosmo, the dog. And I don't still don't understand when did this dog get introduced? What did they do? Why does it have telekinesis? Like and then no, and then number three, there is an appearance in this movie of Howard the Duck. Oh my god. Okay, so which one of these maybe if I haven't explained, I'll explain to you, but 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 by rent meh these three things. Okay, so Mang Howard the Duck, because <laughs> I mean I get why it's funny, but it's funny, but I mean, I just to me it's like it. You know what it is? Okay, hold on. I'm maying it because I get that it's a funny joke because it's like Howard the Duck, but like, all right, I get the joke. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not impressed with the joke. That's why. See, I'm so you know he's in the after credits of one of the other yes. movies because he's a Marvel character. Yes. I enjoy that they commit to the bit, but he's not a main character. He just is in one scene. And, and I also feel like if you were going to put Howard the Duck in, they should have just used the original costume from that movie. <laughs> like then it would have been really funny to me. But in this case, I'm like, why is there a duck there? And you're like, oh, that's Howard the Duck. I'm like, I know what Howard the Duck looks like. <laughs> and, okay. okay. Um, I am going to, it's a tough one, but I'm going to buy warlock who i truly did not like or care about or remotely understand for three quarters of the movie but in the end they actually they actually do his arc really well because it doesn't it's not just like oh he's bad or he's dumb and then he'll do something you know and then his character will change but you actually have the repetition of his character over and over and over again kind of like behaving one way and very slowly incrementally seeing the seeing how his character changes and and it was really well done and i'm gonna rent cosmo because cosmo's hilarious but again where did this come from why are you in here are you a dog from earth does the suit give you powers i I think cosmo's hilarious and i love it but i just i i think cosmo is based on didn't the russians send a dog yeah yeah so i think cosmo is based on On like that yeah but as if they had experimented and like oh, made it like, made a, super it like a super soldier telekinesic. Yeah. And, and I, I guess so. like a, you know, like a, not and like Cosmo a Cosmo. appears in one of the other movies. I was saying Cosmo actually does have a critical role at the end and is a good dog. And that's a very funny bit. Oh, so maybe I want to buy Cosmo and then like rent Warlock because so, most of the movie I'm like, what? Here's how I'm, here's why I'm going to buy Cosmo. Yeah, I, I'm going to buy Cosmo. I'm switching. I think Cosmo is a bigger swing. You're, there, um, that movie has a dog talking in a Russian accent for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And like by the end of that movie, you're invested in the character and the character's relationship with other characters. Yeah, but from the first moment you meet that dog, it's funny. <laughs> so it's great. Like the bit about whether or not it's a good dog or a bad dog, I mean... That is actually really funny the whole time. Um, so I, I buy, I buy again Cosmo. lots of up vibes because yeah. like lots of yeah, Pixar vibes true. in this one. That's so true. The talking dog. Well, yeah. That's weird. Is this secretly Marvel's Pixar movie? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I don't know. I think we are it's, making Marvel's secret picture or Pixar's secret Marvel movie. Maybe I don't know. You're right though. That's so weird. A lot of crossover. Uh, and then I, I. The, my my rent on Adam Warlock is this is not a character I cared much about in the comics, mm-hmm. but 
in the comics, he's like this very stoic cosmic being that helps them beat Thanos. And, and so it was, it was interesting for me that they played him more sort of like a big, like a dumb dumb. <laughs> like, yeah, like he was sort of like this big child who like, he got taken out of his cocoon early, which mm-hmm. I thought was a funny bit, partially because I think you also have to maybe dumb down his powers a bit because he's cosmically powered, right? There was one moment in the movie where there's some tension and I'm like, well, Adam Warlock's going to fix that because he literally can fly through space and has cosmic powers. And the only thing that's been holding him back is that he's an idiot. Yeah. Uh, um, I am interested to also know what they're going to do with it. When you introduce a character like that on the good guy side, like Captain Marvel. Right. Like They always have to make excuses why Captain Marvel can't help save the day now, which <laughs> I find is so hilarious. Like, no one can reach her. Her cell phone's off. Like, <laughs> you realize that's often the excuse of, like, why Why you just get Marvel to come in and, like, get rid of these bad guys, you know? Yeah, so, so I don't know if he's that level. I don't know enough about which him. Which, again, is what worked so well about this movie because the big bad was... Personal. It, it was so personal. And it was so small. You're not going to call in some big guns. It's your own mission, you know. Yeah, it was. It was. It was very, very, very cool. I mean, they call in help, but it's from within their yeah. realm. Again, yeah. Well, it's a good story. Okay, so let's talk cameos because this movie oh, has yeah. some fun cameos. It was more than a cameo. I mean, sorry, I'm Becky's <laughs> Becky's in five time zones right now. <laughs> she has done a lot of stuff lately. So, cameo number one, which was. He was in Guardians of the First Guardians as a cameo, but in, I think, just a voice or maybe in makeup. Mm-hmm. But Nathan Fillion, he was in this movie. He was had like a full... I thought he was going to be in one scene. Yeah, it was great. It was absolutely great. I love Nathan Fillion. Pop him up into everything. Put him in everything. I'm always... And, and also seeing Nathan Fillion in space. Who, I mean, that's, what yeah. your, that's where you want to see him. And he looks great. Looks great. He, he looks, looks great. great. Yeah. Good for him. He was so funny. He's and he's not a so good guy. He's sort of, I mean, he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy, but he's, he's just so charming. Uh, he totally... He's so funny. Then, then there is... Um, Sylvester Stallone. That was one of the great Becky turned to me moments being, what is going on here? Why is yeah, Sylvester Stallone Or like, Stallone I mean, again, I'm not going to get into it, but there's, let's say, a moment in the movie where it's like Sylvester Stallone and Gamora, like hugging and being best friends. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> so strange. Yeah. She, he is one of the other ravagers in the like, big group of Ravengers that exist. And so he, um, and we've seen him in other movies. We saw him in this, I think the second one. Oh my God. I think I deleted the second one from my brain because I just liked it so much, but now I want to go back and watch the second one because there's so much about the third one. I feel like that makes the second one make the, the character like, stuff. Yeah. The, the good thing is they don't spend a lot on bringing back the plot stuff. The yeah. plot stuff of the second one is like the problem. The character stuff is good. The other one I want to point out, although there's a lot of cameos cause I was just looking at the IMDb and I'm like, Oh, Judy Greer was in this movie. Do you know Judy Greer played the war pig? Oh, cool. Oh, the voice sounded so Vo- familiar. Voice sounded totally familiar, yeah, right? Yeah, the voice was super familiar. So we, we did the voice of the of the otter of Lila. I'll come back to that in a second. But Daniela Melchior, I, I pronounce it Melchior like it's Hebrew, but I don't... Me? She was she was rat catcher in Suicide Squad in the Suicide oh, Squad in the James great. And she was the, the Uru, the uh, pink lady. Yeah. Okay. And then the other so yeah, so those three, did I just tell you three? I said Stallone. Stallone, Fillion, and... and Melchior. Well, how do you rank those? Oh, Fillion is my first, Uru is my second, and is like, and then Stallone is my, 
is my third. He just feels so out of place to me in this world. Oh. I mean, but I'm also like good on you for being in this movie. I mean, he, like that's he, so he much looks, fun, and he, he looks great. He looks like his. He, looks, he looks like, like he's like, in his um, Judge Dredd costume yeah, from the so, '90s. Right, it's fun. Like I think he looks. Yeah, I think he looks like he's having fun. I'm just so confused by it. Just some of the other people that appear in this that are that are that are cool characters. So we have um, Judy Greer as Warpig. Um, which is one of the villains. Linda Cardellini was the voice of Lila. Oh, that's why it was so, so good like, and warming, so heartfelt. So warming and heartfelt because that's, that is, yeah, that's perfect. That, that was, shoot. I mean, that's a, you gotta, you gotta sell that character. Um, and then, yeah, there's, there's just a lot of, there's actually, there's so many recognizable names in this that I can't list them, but just some of the other ones I want to note is D. Bradley Baker, who is oh, the yeah, voice of, of Oppa. I mean, the voice of everything. The voice of everything. Like, really, I mean. I was right that the voice of Cosmo was Maria Bala Bakalova. Who's that? That's the one from Bodies, 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 and from oh, the, and yeah, from yeah, the, you that in the, the Sasha Baron Cohen movie, what's you, it called? You though? called that in the middle of the yeah. movie. You just, boom. Like, right. yeah. So D. Bradley Baker. Hall of Fame actor, all-time great voice actor. I mean, I don't know where you're going to put, I mean, give him his honorary Oscar one day. Mm-hmm. I thought he was wonderful. Jennifer Holland is the administrator who is James Gunn's wife, yeah. but she's also amazing in um, uh, Peacemaker. In general, I love Jennifer Holland. I think she's great, and it was fun to see her in there. It's fun to see, and of course, Sean Gunn is always in James Gunn stuff, which I love. Tara Strong, I think I saw as one of the yeah. voice actors. Tara Strong is also just one of the all-time greatest voice actors she does voice of all of the time. Mainframe. Oh yeah. Um, so you just had so many great little pieces, but they never take you out of it. It's Stallone's the closest, but he'd already been in it, so you can't. You know, I don't think you can complain. He's he's there. Um, you even had a little Michael Rooker. Not going to ruin why we had Michael Rooker, but you even saw a little mm-hmm. Michael Rooker in there. Oh my God, Pete Davidson was in this movie too. Who is he? There's someone called Flectic. I don't know, but like you just go through the, you just go <laughs> through, it's keep going just, through the IMDb, yeah. and there's just everybody is appearing in this. Um, so that was really well done and a lot of fun. Um, Let's. I want to. I sort of want to talk about the ending, but I don't want to talk about the ending. No. Let's not talk about the ending. I feel like we should you know ruin it. I don't think. I, this I don't is think the, we need to. I think we set it up. That point is, it feels earned. It ties things up, but leaves a few. But leaves the characters in a place where they're individually. There's some more story right, to be had. Right. Exactly. The people that you don't are, need the, another the, guardian the, adventure. They can each have their own. The characters that are alive, you have a lot yeah. to you have you have a lot to work with, but they're not bound by this. Now, I did see in on Screen Crush, which is one of my favorite YouTube channels. I saw that Zoe Saldana and Batista have said they're not coming back. So right, right. now I suspect they're not coming back. Batista has said for a while, if James Gunn's not doing it, he's not doing it. Um, he's also been getting more and more like, I wouldn't say serious parts, but he's in more and more real movies. He's in Glass Onion. He's mm-hmm. in that other Knock at the Cabin. He, he's he's really, tra- he's the third wrestler. So we, we know Cena and we know The Rock, Rock. but... Batista has quietly transitioned into being like a very successful actor, mm-hmm. but I think also he's got to stay in like insane shape to be Drax, and it gets hard for these guys to get older. And Zoe Saldana, she's got to make twelve movies 
Avatar movies. Oh, I yes, put her back to work. I need all those Avatar movies. <laughs> I, I cannot wait. Uh, um, and uh, so, okay. Um, with all that being said, right, we did we did MVPs. Dude, I don't think there's any least valuable player in this movie. Like, there's not. There wasn't one character or thing I didn't like. Yeah. I mean, the Sovereign are dopey. The gold people are dopey. Yeah, I was going to say, Warlock's mom, maybe? Yeah. Like, that's a dopey element of the story, but it's also part of the fun. Anyways. Um, All right, Beck. Uh, As we wrap up, do you have any shoutouts and recs? Uh, Yeah. Um, Everybody, new season of... Indian matchmaking is out on Netflix. You know, I'm really, I mean, I just want to hang with Seema Auntie and get my face red. I love that show so much. So I'm deep into that. Oh, actually, I also started watching Citadel oh, on Prime, Priyanka. which is with, with Priyanka and, and um, Richard Madden. I was going to say Steve Madden. Richard Madden. <laughs> and I think the Russo brothers created it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's, and it's, it is, I would say... It is like hitting an algorithm. It is action. It is a little bit funny. It is a little bit, you know, mysterious. You got a Stanley Tucci in there. It's, so <laughs> far, I'm like three episodes in, and I'm having a lot of fun watching it. I um, I want to... So I am like deep down this Star Trek rabbit oh hole. God, again? Are we just going to hear about this like every... I'm watching, you know, Star Trek Discovery. You know, I've been... I want to say thank you to the great Mike Roberts, one of our all-time best guests, dear friend. Uh, Mike has taken texts from me at every hour of the night because he's the person I know that is really into Star Trek or really digs into these and knows story stuff and thinks a lot about, I mean, Mike is one of the greatest people on story ever to talk to. I mean, the way he, you know, so Mike is taking text questions for me and debate for me at all hours as I'm watching three shows simultaneously, Discovery, Picard and Strange New Worlds. And I just think that, you know, there's so much Star Trek that you can be afford to make mistakes, but these three shows are really enjoyable. The other thing I'll say that is, hilarious to me so discovery started i think four or five years ago and michelle yao is in the first two seasons Mm -hmm. the entire premise of the first season is a multiverse version of michelle yao maybe michelle yao is the multiverse maybe right like she just is the multiverse i I was watching this and i'm like did is this just one of the other characters like is this, is this just like in a shared everywhere. universe yeah, of yeah. everything I everywhere? Mean, and she's also amazing. Like her acting is so great in that. Like I just want to know: is there some connection? Like did someone see her in this and say, "Oh, you've got to play this multi"? Like I think she is the multiverse. She is the multiverse. Michelle Yao is the multiverse. Um, so that's something I really been enjoying. And then I want to encourage people. Well, not even encourage people because I can't really, in good conscience, encourage people to see this new Flash movie, but. They showed a preview before Guardians of the Galaxy of the Flash movie that was only of Michael Keaton's Batman. (laughs) And this is just, like, the obvious situation of, like, can we just, like, no no one wants... I hope James Gunn can just get us Michael Keaton Batman because nobody wants anything else. It's true. (laughs) And he's... And now he's really aged... Like at the time, it was so controversial. Now everyone agrees mm-hmm. they could just give us back Michael Keaton Batman. Yep. Everything from I would love Michael Keaton Batman, Mark Hamill Joker. Oh, 
Wouldn't okay. that be interesting? Because Mark Mark Hamill is the most amazing. That would be voice great. Joker. Yeah, that would but, be really fun. Like, and so give like us just a like bit two of a, a like campier like, joker, like two old men fighting. Yeah, yeah, like a campier Joker. Yeah, that would Whatever. be fun. Anyways, um, uh, any other? I feel like I, there was one more thing I wanted to talk about, and I don't remember what it is. So we'll just have to hold it. We miss Lily in this episode so much. We miss uh, her all the time. But anytime Lily can get spared seeing a Marvel movie, I think she's happy. She's gonna uh, love this. Although she one. will love. She this is movie. going to. Love I do want to one. watch this one again with Lily. Yeah, I think that me too. Amazing. Um, all right. All uh, where right. can people follow you? At FNM Sisters on Instagram. And you can follow me at Pancake and the Number Four Table. All the Friday movies, Friday Night Movie stuff at Friday Night Movie uh, or at FridayNightMovie.com. And uh, our theme music is by What Does It Eat? Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Friday Night Movie, the sibling rivalry and pop culture podcast. Join the Friday Night Movie family by following at Fry Night Movie on all of the socials and visiting our website, FryNightMovie.com. Our theme song is by What Does It Eat? And make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.